Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Joined with me, as always, are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Uh, here to talk about something that I, Joseph and I have waited a very, very long time to discuss. Almost f- at least three years. Yep. The Legend of Vox Machina, the animated series that adapts uh, Campaign 1 of Critical Role. Starring all the same people of Critical Role, plus some. That's correct. Uh, I will say this is it's an animated series on Amazon. There's 12 episodes of it. It was a long production thing. We've talked about it on the show for a long time, so it's mm-hmm. hard for me to even recap it. But I also know in my heart this is the closest we're ever going to get to actually doing a full Critical Role episode. <laughs> Besides when Christian and I just get carried away and yeah. are what we've been watching. So If there's ever a time when Hurt has to bail out on the episode, we should just, just hand <laughs> Critical Role yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, so again, it stars all the main players from, from Critical Role, Matt Mercer, Liam O'Brien. I'm going to forget them now that I'm listing them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley, Marisha, Sam, Talison, Laura, Travis. You got it. Perfect. Uh, and then it also features some pretty cool guest stars. Dominic Monaghan, David Tennant, Stephen Root. Yep. Rory McCann's in there. Rory McCann, Gray Griffin, who will be at Pensacon 2023. Um, so, supposedly she was supposed to be at Pepsi 2022 that's also true <laughs> I, I think she got this much bigger gig I'm she sure, might again yeah there are other people I can't remember but yeah what were our impressions of this show I think Hurt should start I absolutely think Hurt should start he's the it. most unfamiliar you know uh, so so actually tell us tell us a little bit about your context of which what your impression of Critical Role was going into this and then your experience From these the two dweebs. I mean, you know, my impression of it going in is obviously something you guys really enjoy. <laughs> and I enjoy a lot of what you guys enjoy. And there's other things you guys enjoy that I don't enjoy at all. So it could have went either way for me. Um, you know, I, I, I really wanted to get started on this, but I think I tried to start on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember, I started that, like... EXU is Yeah, the extra started. season yeah. thing, and I just could not get through the first episode. So, I, I don't... Going into this, the first couple episodes, I, you know, I wasn't really... I wasn't really catching on to it. It just seemed like a cartoon with cussing. Like, you know, I'm never super impressed by that. About the third or fourth episode, though, I got pretty hooked. I really, the whole time, though, it's almost like I've always hated, you know, when I'm amongst people who aren't geeks, which, you know, is is so hard to find now. But uh, but I'm amongst them and they find out, oh, yeah, you like comics? Well, how different was blah, blah, blah than the movie, you know? But the whole time I was thinking, watching this, like, man, I can't wait to ask these guys <laughs> how different this was from the podcast. And if this thing was on there... How did they edit this down? I'm I'm really in- interested in the logistics of how you turn a like what was it like 300 hour podcast into this. So on that note, I will say this is about 12 episodes of okay. the podcast, which I mean, are about three to four hours long. Yeah, so it's a, it's probably 50 to 60 hours of content that they narrowed down into these shows. There's a lot of it that I feel like because they did this in front of an audience, right? When they did it. No, not most of the time. Well, they you, do it, you do it like live on Twitch. Right, they do it live okay. on Twitch. Right. Because I feel like there is a lot of, because I'm assuming a lot of these lines were improvised in the podcast and then scripted into this show. I don't know how much of that is true. There is about four or five famous lines from the podcast that absolutely did make it into the show. Okay, right on. Because I, I was thinking, you know, like some of these things may have 
landed better with an audience, even if that audience was your friends sitting around mm-hmm. playing the thing with you. But I still think overall better than Transformers on this. Definitely the action on it was great. The mm-hmm. action, the, the really animation great. in general is very good. They really good monsters. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm going with I was pretty positive in this. I'll, so you're saying this was just part of the first campaign. Correct. Yes. So if we, the next season we get of this is going to be more of these same characters. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love this. Uh, It was as good as I'd hoped it to be. And honestly, was even exceeded my bar because I was excited because I just want to spend time in that world with these characters and actually see them. Like, you know, so much of it is like a listening to old timey audio story, radio type of thing. And to actually see it play out on screen was really fun and exciting. What was impressive to me, kind of to your point is how well the adaptation was right from podcast to screen there are parts that look exactly how you picture them in your head absolutely wild and (laughs) what's weird is that it's everyone feels that way which i think you had said this last week it's all matt mercer and so whether it's how matt described it so well or Mm. the way it plays out your picture is so vivid when you listen to it watching it match that it, it seems it seems impossible, and yet somehow they did it. So, which one did Matt Mercer voice in this? Who did a he, lot. He, he's a lot of the side characters, but famously is is uh, Lord Briarwood. Okay, right. right on. So, in in the game, he, he's everyone. Everyone that's not the main cast, right? So, any single any individual that they interact with. So, all of the other characters that we've met in the show would have been Matt. Oh, right on. Um, but obviously, that's. I mean, it would have been plausible. It would have been possible, but. <laughs> One, I don't think his lady voice is particularly, you know, uh, outstanding. Right. Uh, and also, it just, you know, they, they had room to do more fun things. They have all these connections in the voice actor community. So it was, it was a good opportunity for them to breathe new life into these characters. To your point, Christian, it was amazing to, to me, like, way early on, like a year ago or more, I remember they released that first shot of, or, you know, one of the early shots of it was Percy holding the gun mm-hmm. in front of, uh, you know, I guess it's the, the palace of Iman, whatever it is. Um, but I remember, like, seeing that with, like, there's no, like, con, it doesn't tell you what it is. There's no caption or whatever. I was like, I know exactly, like, what that is and when the fuck that happened. Like, mm-hmm. I know that moment without any other information yeah. about it. Just, again, from, I guess, very good descriptions and very good adaptation of that into mm-hmm. animations. It's really wild. And to your point, Hurt. Uh, when you ask, you know, I w- you wonder how much of this is close to how it actually went in the story. Very close. Right on. Yeah. They were very faithful. There are a few uh, moments they streamlined, right. you know, just, just to make the story move a little faster. But, I mean, I was amazed at, at how many things that they were able to fit in organically. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, is, is kind of a testament to how good the actual, like, story was. But, yeah, I, I, I love this. I, I had the same... I don't know if I, I don't think I was worried about the show. I was worried about hurt watching the show when I, <laughs> when I watched the first couple episodes and anybody else coming in for that exact same reason. Right. I mean, they're definitely targeting the Castlevania audience. Right. And I definitely got that whole vibe, for especially early on from the show. And, you know, I, I think that's part of, you know, I don't know if it's the appeal, but, it, you know, it's, it's one of the things that's true about the show is that, you know, it's adults playing this game. They, you know, they curse 
they fight, they drink, they, you know, right. whatever. I, I felt like they overrepresented it in the show, uh, and I couldn't really figure out why. Because <laughs> right. I was worried for exactly the same reason that that was going to be a turnoff for people like you who are right. like, okay, I, I get what's going on here. They're just doing, like, we're doing HBO for cartoons. Right. But, uh, you know, once we get past those first couple episodes and we really get into, like, the characters and, and you know, the real meat of, of the story, you know, I, I think they do a really good job of staying true to, to what made the first, the original right. story work. It's funny, I didn't even, Castlevania is a good thing, but I was, the first couple episodes, I was like, oh, man, this is really for Deadpool people. Sure. <laughs> and I, I like both the Deadpool movies, but, uh, but like I said, I got hooked in and there, and there was... When I got hit, hooked in certain things that I thought were negative about the first uh, couple episodes, I came around. I've really, I was never too into this anyway, but I've definitely aged out of the idea of thinking a cartoon character is sexy. <laughs> but once I got into this, I was like, man, some of these chicks kind of are sexy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was, I, I think this, there was an element of it that was almost distracting to me that I was like, man, I wish I could would have watched uh, listened to this so I could have dissected this as I watched mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. but I think it stands pretty well on its own once I got into the groove of it I liked it so I wanted to kind of move into spoilers because I want to talk about the first couple of episodes like, absolutely so yeah, if you haven't watched this it's on, it's on if you have Amazon it's on Amazon Prime you've been warned but, you know the, the first episode kind of it, is struggling to grab its ground but once you get to episode three you're, you'll be in right. uh, so better than Transformers all around so this show takes a kind of interesting release schedule, which is that it's weekly, but it's in episode dump. So it's three episodes Correct. for over four weeks. And the first three episodes are, are probably the most interesting to me to discuss because the first two was originally all that we were supposed to get. Correct. And uh, when the Kickstarter launched, it was for like $780,000. It was to finance essentially two 20-minute episodes to tell a pre-stream story. And what you what I really interpret those first two, and, and I think, by the way, the Kickstarter blew past that goal, ended up being finishing around like $11 million in 45 days. I think it's still the biggest crowd-funded or Kickstarter for arts and entertainment there has been. Um, I don't feel like they moved away from that goal for those first two episodes, mm. which yeah. is essentially, this is a... 40-minute trailer for Critical Role. I, I was going to say the first two episodes feel like a pilot yes. and and seem almost completely divorced from the rest of the thing. So that was also, I don't know. I think you probably, if you're watching it, you should power through those two just to get to know the characters. But really, if you're not digging it and you wanted to just skip to the third episode to when shit starts actually happening, you could. Although the dragon animation in the first two episodes is worth watching. Very good. On that note, Hurt, since we were talking about the characters, uh, you know, it's it's not a big deal for Christian and I because we've been invested in the mm-hmm. story for a long time, but Seven is a fairly large cast for yeah. uh, your main band of adventurers. Right. Do you remember their names? I can't say that I remember everyone's names, but I don't always remember the names of something that's 90 minutes and has three characters. Uh-huh. You know, last night, you know, I've, I've pretty much ate and slept the IT crowd for a month and I still, I was trying to make a reference to Moss and I had to look up his name. <laughs> so that, I'm, I'm not the right person to ask that, <laughs> that, uh, that question. You know, that said, I, I thought it was pretty easy to get to know the seven characters. Like mm. I knew what each one of them were about. I knew which people were sort of paired off, you know? I mean, I don't think most of them are really great breaks from sort of fantasy uh, archetypes, but they definitely have a more sort of adult tug-in-cheek 
twist to them. Sure. I, I think if there's one, I don't want, I mean, critique, I don't know is the right word, but if there's one like asterisk to campaign one of Critical Role, it's very traditional fantasy. Right. I mean, it, it's always, it's like, it's its biggest strength and its weakest. Because yeah. like the, the full arc of it is like one of just the best straight, like what you're imagining European fantasy to be. It's just an outstanding story of that. And all the characters are built mm-hmm. in archetypes of that. In the later campaigns, campaign two and three, they've kind of played around with what you can do in that space. And it's right. not quite as traditional. Arch- traditional right. Yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. You're, you're spot on in that, you know, when, when they started, they were all like, I don't know, kind of British. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think part of the weakness of these first two episodes is they were pre-stream. There was nothing to go back to. Right. You were going simply off Matt's notes, and that's it. Like, And their memories kind of of something that happened 10 years earlier. Right. And so it, it is much more of, well, this is the general story we want to tell, and we want to kind of you know, give something back to the audience and maybe lure a new audience. And then when it blew past that, it was like, oh, well, we can tell a real story. And that real story starts in episode three. Right. I should note, I, I think they do a good job of like, you know, not just rehitting the, the, the beats of the story, but actually like telling a good narrative because I don't know, I, I wanted to hear for, from you, Hurt. Did they get you on the fake out on the dragon? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean... I, my mind wasn't like blown. Right, I, I right, felt like sure. it was going to be somebody I'd already seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was still surprised by who it was. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I thought it was going to be more like controlled than it was that guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Well, I, yeah, that's all we have to talk about for that. But episode three really picks up the what's famously called the Whitestone arc. When you're watching Critical Role, Joseph and I normally would recommend people start with this. There's like 20 episodes prior to this. You don't need to watch those. <laughs> right. um, that's 60 hours of your life you're not going to get back. Uh, so, having, having said that, I've done it three times. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, it's important to note that at this time in, in campaign one, there is actually an eighth cast, or I guess really a ninth cast yes. member. Um, that has been scrubbed from history, does not exist anymore. Orion Acaba. Orion Acaba. Why? Uh, left under under mysterious circumstances. I'm not sure how much of it was his decision, how much of it was the rest of the group's decision. It's never come to light. We don't know the details. We know it's it seems to be kind of ugly, and no one wants to talk about it. He right. made it like the second to last episode. He made a weirdly weird comment about having a strategy boner to one of the girls, a, a, a married woman on the show whose husband is also on the show. Right. And uh, the next week. Oddly enough, started his own Twitch stream. Two weeks later, he was off the show. Anyway, uh, it's so, it's a weird thing how it all went down. Even even when we say so, you can start the the show at the beginning of the White Star, where this the first ep- or I guess the third episode starts in this yeah. one. There is a character in there you won't expect, and he's terrible. He's the worst part of that <laughs> right. campaign, but he's gone in like three episodes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Old Tiberius. Yeah. So, so basically, he's like. Uh, see, here's another one where I can't think of anybody's name. He's Josh's girlfriend. I can't remember what the character's name from the first oh, season yeah, yeah, of yeah. West Wing. Mandy. Mandy. Just, Mandy. Yeah, just yeah. disappears. Correct. Never, never even referenced. You, they do reference him one other time, which they kill him. Mm. Spoilers. That's true. <laughs> and uh, you find his grave. Um, but yeah. So then. I can't really fail to remember where episode one ends. Is, does it end with the shooting of the carriage driver? Oh, the, the episode three. Episode three, yeah. 
Uh, I think so, yeah. And so then we pick up with Vox Machina on house arrest. And we get the most interesting character in, in Critical Role. Not, not entirely Critical Role, but in Campaign 1, which is No Mercy Percy. Yep, for sure. He's so... when Percy calms down throughout the show, mm-hmm. but in this arc's particular, Talison, I don't know what it was, just came up with all the best lines. Oh, so uh, that's, that's an important <laughs> thing to know. If, if you haven't seen the show or anything, uh, Talison Jaffe plays... Percy, Percival, right, and I mean he's the oddest duck of the group. I think they all he he thinks of himself as very eclectic. His handle on Twitter is executive goth. He's a very like, <laughs> you know, he's got he's got a vibe, yeah. no doubt. I, and I, I like I feel like I was like at first kind of thrown off by like okay this guy is a lot and. You know, this character, I think, is a big incarnation of that. It's it's pretty much just every, like, you know, dark, edgelordy sort right. of fantasy yeah. all, like, rolled up in, like, there's, like, three different ones rolled up into there's one. even a little steampunk uh, in no, there. No, absolutely, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the creepiest of the gods. Uh-huh, and, like, on its surface, it should absolutely be so fucking cringy. Like, it should right. not work, but they, like, it. It's, he makes it so fucking cool, and they make it so fucking cool in this show. I, I will say, watching the first two episodes, I would have never guessed that guy was gonna essentially be the main character. Yeah. You know, he seems very much like support staff to... I probably would have guessed from the first one that one of the brother and sister were gonna yeah. be the main character. Yeah, that guy, of like... About three, four episodes in, I realized, well, don't even need to go to Pensacola next year. That's who's going to be dressed as. Yeah. Uh, so, Vox Machina is on house arrest. Eventually, they break free. They're attacked. They're claiming the Briarwoods did this terrible thing. They've been blamed. And they're going to make their way to Whitestone to help absolve Percy of his terrible past, as well as get revenge uh, against the Briarwoods. This is a pretty good arc. I personally think the show picks up in episode six. I, I think it's good. Yeah. Like the house attack scene is good. It, I think they really make it very horry. It's, it's very horror. It's, it's also one of the most different things that they did from the show to the, yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is the most horror arc, but yeah, in animation, you're really able to show it. Yeah. Were you guys uh, see? I've I forget the name, so I give everything my own name. Were you guys talking about the guys who are basically like Venom Dementors? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. I like Venom Venomentors. <laughs> Venomentors. Yes. I think one of the things that I I didn't like about the like the third I guess it's just the third episode. So one of the things that they talked about coming into the show is they had the advantage of being able to tell the story from different people's perspective. It's not just you're not a hundred percent from your player's perspective all the time. Right. But it robbed us of one of the great reveals of the campaign, in my opinion, which was coming into that fancy royal dinnery scene, and you hear the Briarwoods there, you're like, okay, they're kind of bad people, they did something to Percy's family, something's bad. But as far as you're concerned, they're like diplomats who are like, maybe like they're bankrolling some bad people, but as far as you know, they're just like people, you know, with money who are in the, you know, doing bad things or paying other people to do bad things. You don't find out until Vax is in the room and can't get out that they're like, oh, no, they can also kill you. <laughs> uh, and that's like that's an outstanding reveal in the show because you think like, oh, our, our slipperiest guy has, has is in the room. He got caught. OK, he'll just slip right out. No, he can't. <laughs> right. He almost dies. Yeah. What they talk about. There's a little tidbit in that episode about being faithful to the show. Mm. Vax 
famously one of his magical items he ends up having to give up because he gets way better shit is he has a belt that turns into a snake right and they actually include that i, in I the, thought that was real cool yeah that is like an actual D magical <laughs> right. item that makes it into this show and i was that's not how the scene necessarily plays out he doesn't get the belt back in that moment but i forgave it <laughs> i forgave it it was okay so Another translation question I really I really want to ask. How did they handle the songs in the podcast? Because, I mean... So, they're, they're so much better in the podcast. Well, they are. So, the, the thing about the, the songs is they're all, like... They're, pop songs. They're all pop songs, but with sometimes different lyrics that are appropriate to the situation, or a pop song specifically chosen to fit... Right. Whatever the whatever the situation was, for rights reasons and probably other reasons, they couldn't do that. Right. Uh, you know, Sam Regal is, is very talented. He's right. a very musical guy. You know, I feel like Scanlon was the one that was done the dirtiest yes. in this in this campaign by being exclusively in the releg- show in the TV show. Yeah, by by being relegated to exclusively the comic relief because he's both the most like versatilely like powerful character of all of them, and also is like. You know, he is those things, but also has a, a larger character than just that. But, right. you know, when you have seven people on a lot of screen time, he just becomes the the sex joke <laughs> guy. Right. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I hope I hope they do something late. They get like a third season and they can do a thing with Scanlan. Yeah. That plays into that that I think will hit harder if they continue this trend, but he's absolutely done the dirtiest. And that's a good transition into the next group of episodes. But I did want to just address what you were talking about. Hurt. A good example of what the songs like are on the show is in the very last boss fight. Right. The very last one, He the he's a bard. Bardics have an ability called Bardic Inspiration where they can give you an extra die to help you roll higher. So if you roll shitty, you can use your inspiration and your, it goes up. Right. And Matt always makes him perform a song. He's like, you can't just give it. Right. You have to do something to inspire them. And in the very final boss fight, Sam's just sitting there. He gives inspiration. Matt's like, what do you do to inspire? And he sings the Happy Days song. <laughs> but in the show, you find Pike's god is named Saren Ray. Right. Um, so it's like Monday, Tuesday, Saren Ray. <laughs> it, I mean, he, I, he's like, just, I legitimately believe he thought of it in the morning, in the moment, because he's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. And then just all of a sudden goes, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> like, it's, like, I don't know how his brain works that fast. Yeah, right, uh, but, but, I mean, the songs are good, mm. but they're so good in the show. Mm. Just Sam's humor. Is yeah. just, uh, that takes us to 7, 8, and 9. Famously, episode 7, I believe, is the Scanbo episode, which is Scanlan, and this happens in the show, Scanlan chooses to take on an entire like villa of monsters and an army by himself. Um, and and, and in, the, in that episode in the show is very much Scanlan just being like, mm, I can keep going. I'm not tapped yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. I'm still fine. In the in the way the, the series does it, it's more so he's just kind of lucky and happenstance. And right. That was that one like affected me a little bit because I love that episode. I mean, it's right? one of the best episodes. Yeah. Uh, the, it also shows how broken that character is. Like that. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that class. Yeah, yeah, class, yeah. Yeah, and that's the funny thing. Bars are generally shat on among D&D players, but I really feel like Critical Role was like, no, this is a great class if you know how to play yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and then you get what's the going on equal time to that is the others are taking on a... Um, a house with Professor Anders, which is the first name on Percy's gun. Yeah, and then finally it's the zombie raid. I, I only want I want to back up just a little bit. Yeah, I was from, just breaking down those King that's, episodes. That's yeah. fine. To you know, coming into Whitestone because uh, you know, again, talking about how you how you envisioned how it was described versus you know how it was 
portrayed in animation was just like absolutely dead on. Yeah, spot it on. Was, it was exactly, exactly how I pictured it, which is amazing because now they the, the show makes a lot of money. They have all these fancy sets, like they have little mini models. It's very exciting. Right. But in those days, it was a piece of paper with some lines on it. You know, right. this is the room. These are where the doors are, and that's it. And and it was it, a piece of paper covered by other pieces of paper, correct. so you couldn't see what was going on. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. You're right. And to your point. Uh, hurt you know so many there are just so many little things that matt does to make the world feel richer right. and and you know i mean like the whole atmosphere of white zone this kind of like misty dark dingy like dying necrotic town is very cool and then let's just throw in some fucking zombie giants that just wander <laughs> around for just some some flavor and i love that like it's such a it's such a little touch that makes it feel so much more novel yeah i think um I do want to say one key difference in the show adaptation-wise, and I'm only bringing it up since you asked the question at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Pike is not there for a different reason right? in the show, and I it had me concerned about how they were going to do her like jelly form or whatever, because there's fun bits about that, especially with Grog, and I didn't know if we were going to get that, and, and we do, and, and I'm, I'm happy we got They just created a, do, a different pathway for that, and I, uh, I think it worked out well. It's one of the times where the show is pretty different right but still lands i feel like right still on. hits uh also the last episode episode nine of this bunch uh i think is the first of the like iconic lines from this arc which is you know i love you right which i mean i don't i'm not the big, biggest vax keyleth guy sure. but i had to be there i'm glad it's there it's in that exact moment they're sitting on the sun tree zombie hordes about to right. attack. they did it exactly right same. so man let's talk about steven root Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, Steven Root is a guy I always am into. I'm always Root for. Even if he's playing the bad guy, I'm usually on his side. But in this, he was so irredeemable. (laughs) Like, he gave you nothing to grab onto to be like, to be like on his team. And I fucking loved it. Like, he's He's really good in it. Yeah. He slits a teenage girl's throat. Right. Uh Right. The great moment, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of an episode. That's a great like cliffhanger yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Except the autumn, the next episode automatically starts playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, no, they give you two seconds there. You don't even get to appreciate the credits. There. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, there's a good there's a good little voice cast here because you also you get Stephen. You also get Dominic Monaghan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love how he says Vox Machina. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. Oh, um, the the black chick from Firefly. Yep. I mean, we we got a lot of I you know I you know I don't like this term, but like fan service in a good way casting they're like hey you know geeks really like firefly let's get a firefly yeah. person yeah, yeah let's yeah. get one lord of the rings person in there let's get one game of thrones person in there oh was yeah, there yeah, a, yeah 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 was there a star wars person in here i don't think there was well dominic monaghan's also in star wars so oh, that's a good point he's in rise of skywalker i often forget about that movie <laughs> i can't uh and then finally we get the siege i guess on uh, whitestone castle in the final three episodes uh leading us down to the famous ziggurat uh which ends up being a problem all of campaign one a lot more backstory on the briarwoods i feel like in this yes which and, I, I and, also, what their, and, and what their end goal is which i also don't like because yeah. uh, i just watched uh, uh the hot ones with uh sebastian stan mm-hmm. uh which was just, I mean, he's just an interesting little dude. I don't know if I feel that or if I just think he's attractive and I just justify <laughs> that to myself. Uh, but he was talking about how, like, one of the things that he tries to do when he's, you know, coming up with characters, whatever, is do, like, the least amount possible. Like, take whatever I think I want to do and do less of it. Because right. a lot of times 
what you what people like are the characters where there's something there but like not all the pieces are there and so you know the audience being smart wants to put those pieces in there wants to fill in the gaps of like this like sort of intriguing character and that's super how it is with the briarwoods because it's one of those things where they're very like you know they're obviously very evil one is like a, right. a vampire one is some sort of a necromancer necromantic sorceress <laughs> But there's, like, this weird thing where they, like, very much, like, have a deep, deep affection for one another. So even though they, like, fuck everybody else, but, like, you know, we've got a thing. And, like, that is, like, very, you know, you you do, you empathize for them, even when you hate them. And at that point in the story, from watching the show, you have none of their backstory. You just know they're just these invaders that came in and took over Percy's home and murdered his family. But you still somehow like are kind of like oh this like this doesn't feel quite like i expected it to when the big bad guy gets murdered yeah i think the the only real taste of it to your point i think you're right is again this is going back to one of those mandatory lines i broke the world for us right, right. i think that's the only but, like but that's what i mean yeah. like that that's an intriguing yeah, like, yeah, bit. yeah, yeah whereas yeah. you know when we get the full backstory it's it's fun later for us when matt does give us the full backstory um but i think it makes the characters more interesting when you don't have that and you're just like huh what's going on with these two because they're not quite what I expect them to be. Even to that point, too, there. I think there's a little bit of the Briarwoods that you actually get history of the Briarwoods you get in this show that as viewers of the, the Twitch stream, we don't even get to, like, campaign two. Because there's a little bit about, you know... I think some of it was in the campaign one wrap-up. It could be. could yeah. be. You know, like, Vesta Ragna being the replacement, that's not in this show, but you know, her being the master of antiquities or whatever in Wildmount, she would know where Vecna's wizard hole was uh-huh. or whatever. But sorry, spoilers. Just <laughs> 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 threw the name out there. And then uh, they're not gonna use it in the show anyway. <laughs> you don't think so? They do they weren't supposed to use it in the stream. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I it, thought it was a whole rights thing as far as far uh, as I understood. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to say about this is also, I think this is a problem with lots of genre fiction, Mm -hmm. you know, fantasy, superhero, sci-fi, whatever, is that final battles are a letdown. The second act battle is always better than the end battle, but this had a really good final battle. Yeah, I, I think they do a good job of making our players essentially lose. Right. And it really feels like there are stakes in that moment. Right. Which if you don't know the stream, I'm curious, did you ever believe that maybe since there's seven, one of these people could die? I I was beginning to think there was a few of them that could die, honestly. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, well, these people are, you know, particularly since it comes from a D&D thing and you can just start next week with a new character you mm-hmm. you bring into the fold. Uh, you know, all these people seemed expendable. So definitely in that final battle, I, I kind of thought a few of them were going to go. And how do you make a necromancer witch and a vampire more scary? You give them a tomb lined with dead bodies. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's animated really well, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I like to to your point, hurt all the all the uh, fights and encounters and stuff go a lot like they actually do. So one of the things that the the show does really well is adapt D and D combat, which right. it feels it, impossible. Which feels impossible, in my opinion, largely the most tiresome part of the whole the whole game. <laughs> it, it's it's very mechanical right. and long and unpleasant. Right. Um, and <laughs> it's a lot of people's favorite part, but and, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, and and one of the things that's difficult to adapt comparatively to 
you know, how it was done in the game is, is in D&D, much like any other video game you play, you just have hit points. Right. There's not necessarily, like, a real sense of, of damage. It's just, you know, when you run out of hit points, you're dead. And there's no kind of, like, in-betweeny thing there. Right. Um, whereas the show does such a really good job of, of, like, fighting a battle where you can tell the winning and losing side, you know, where people are getting, you know, injured or just barely getting out of the way or whatever. Like, where it, we're... We're getting what's happening in the combat without actually doing like, okay, they got hit in the shoulder again. Or uh, they got hit in the thigh. Oh, now you're close to like five hit points. You got hit hit in the in the <laughs> side of your ribs. That's your heart. You're dead. <laughs> um, you know. I'm I, glad you've never DM'd any of our games. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the description I can do. Um, so they do. They actually do like a really good job of adapting both like making the combat interesting, but also like representing how it actually largely happened in game, which again was spontaneous. It's not like it doesn't follow these narrative structures that yeah. are designed mm-hmm. into, you know, making a TV show, but they just fit very nicely into them. Well, I think a good example of that for ex- is the professor Anders fight yep. with Grog getting controlled. Yep. That's literally Travis failing a wisdom saving throw. Cause his character has no wisdom <laughs> And then attacking his friends. Yep. And then all the, it makes a cool narrative moment in this TV <laughs> yep. show. Uh, I think another an, another part of that, too, is they display strength, strengths and weaknesses well. For example, again, in that same episode, Grog storms in and immediately gets hit with, like, nine arrows. Right. Notice nobody else takes damage like that in that <laughs> moment. But he does, and then he goes on to wreck a bunch of people. Well, he plays a barbarian. He's got a shit ton of fucking hit points that's that's also one of my favorite moments in the show because that's you know going back so i, I don't know if you even remember that particular moment but the, you know while while the whole scanlan in a mansion thing is happening by himself at right. the other side they're waiting for their distraction so they can go into the other mansion and kill what's his name Anders steven yeah. root but like in the show in like this is out of character travis is like we don't have to look at check every fucking door like not every fucking thing <laughs> is a trap you know like sometimes a door is just a door and then he goes in and it was a trap and it's just like one of the best moments yeah yeah, yeah. i love it it's great <laughs> uh and then they show um you find out percy has been struggling with this demon entity uh feeding off his vengeance all along we get some uh, freedom and redemption from that. I and, also like that Percy gaslights them the whole time about. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. And again, that's not. I think that's almost an improvement because I don't remember that happening that way. I remember them seeing being Matt being like, "You see black smoke around Percy," and I don't remember Percy ever being or Talison really being a dick about it. He's a dick about it in the show, and yeah. I liked it. I liked it too. Um, and then the show ends on a cliffhanger. I knew exactly how this show was going to end. Like, from the beginning? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I had it pretty pegged out pretty well, the episode structure of this show, just in general. Uh And then was confident when I knew we had season two, we were going to end. I thought we might see the Chroma Conclave attack, but definitely felt like... Oh, that's where, that's where this show stopped. You know, I don't know how you adapt that in one season. Though. Yeah, I don't know. That's the longest arc. So we talked about this whole series was like 12 episodes. Then, right. That's then, 40. Then the next arc is, yeah, like 40, 45. But it was one of those things where we beat the Briarwoods. We came back. And like the moment we start going up to the, you know, the castle, whatever, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, my arm was like over my head. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and it, it's like... It's such a brutal way to stop it because the the arc after like really the, from from the Briarwoods to the end is really good. There are a few like slow moments, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I mean, like the, the next big arc is outstanding. There's a little bit of a gap between that and the final arc, but the final arc is also outstanding. Campaign one just 
It's got it a, it's fucking got a kicks, start. Yeah, dude. It's so good. Uh, it starts rough, not just because of you're starting in the middle of these people's D and D game. It's not like they started something new. It was like, oh, we're just gonna start streaming this right now, <laughs> and they didn't even have the infrastructure. Their mic quality sucks. <laughs> like it's not good. And then by about episode twenty five thirty, right when this arc starts. You're like, okay, I'm fucking... And, mm. and again, if you start it and you can't get through it, I get it. But if you can get to Whitestone, just yeah. fucking start at Whitestone. Yeah. Like, it's so much better. I would love for you to just watch this moment in stream in the game because it's, it is it is more tense. And I, I'm curious here if you, th- if you were a little surprised or thought it was tense in the moment. Because I didn't, but I expected it to come. There is such a, like, r- breath of fresh air. After the Briarwood arc, they get right. back. There's this reprieve. They get called to a surprise council meeting. And there's like a little nerves, but they don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the king's like, I'm stepping down. And they're they're in shock from that. Right. They're, right. As players, Matt knows what's going on. But players are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. This is crazy. And then, of course, Vex has her fucking dragon thing. And the bells start tolling. And, and what's crazy crazier about that is that doesn't happen at the end of an episode. They have to go and fight like three fucking dragons immediately after this. <laughs> so like they just got through this horrible, really tough arc. Final battle is crazy. People almost die. And then the very next episode, Matt just drops the biggest plot twist possible yeah. on them. It's great. It's outstanding. Right. It's a great <laughs> moment like just to watch that. Were you shocked at all that we were ended on a cliffhanger here? Or I mean, I kind of felt like there would be some sort of tag that, you know, mm. since a second season is already announced and stuff, that we would, you know, like if there was some doubt they were coming back, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't have had something like that at the end. I mean, I didn't necessarily see it being that, oh, shit. I thought it would be more like we would find out someone's plotting behind the scenes or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. So I was still surprised by it, but I wasn't surprised by the idea that it was a cliffhanger. It just feels a lot quicker to mm. me. Because you don't see the General Krieg stuff on stream. So mm-hmm. you're like 40 episodes you've devoted to this show to get the payoff of the Chroma Conclave. Mm-hmm. It just feels kind of, I don't know, rush is not the right word. It just it just feels very quick. Like, oh, we saw these, this dragon. He was talking to four other dragons. All of a sudden, those four dragons are here. Right, Whereas right. I waited fucking 120 hours for that. <laughs> I mean, but that, that, we, we talked about this the other night. One of the, one of the things that's difficult to do in the tv show versus the game is you know matt is just is spewing lore out of his ears right for hours and hours and yeah. hours a lot of it for shit that doesn't go anywhere it's just like you know random information that he's colored the world with but is not necessarily pertinent to the plot like that fucking moon and he well maybe <laughs> and he he does that he does that shit for hours you know like just thing you know information about this world spills out of him and so there's no way there's not no way but i mean it's very hard to determine which stuff is going to be important and which stuff is done and which stuff is just like oh well that's cool i guess right and so you know to your point christian like i don't know even even in the game you can like we're kind of on a larger thread at that point and so you're not really expecting mm-hmm. what happens like you're you're you think the story is going one way and it takes a hard left turn i went pointed right but left I, turn. It, no one on the thing could see that though. i didn't yeah i didn't even notice it and i can't see you <laughs> i do think it does help justify keeping the first two episodes yeah absolutely it does yeah i don't know that it wouldn't i mean i don't know general krieg is not does not 
matter that much, I feel like, when you watch the Chroma Conclave. But, I mean, I suppose that information helps. I think it's mostly so that it doesn't just come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, the legend of Vox Machina. Yeah. It's better than Transformers. It Please watch it. It is better than Transformers. Better than Transformers, definitely. Heard, did you have any other questions about things that happened that you want to know how, how close they were to... I, I, I think you guys pretty much covered I was mostly just... Like wondering logistically how you pare it down, how much of it survived. I think honestly, now that you guys are telling me though, it kind of contains a lot of what I feel like is missing from a lot of series television now, which is series television is almost set up like, you know, we're always telling a novel. We're never telling episodically. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think you lose the ability for characters to grow on the fly like that. For you find out two actors have a chemistry and then like we're going to change directions and we're going to pair those two either romantically or rivalry or whatever. And it seems like that probably did happen in this. Mm. And they adapted that. So it's, it's it's a weird... Sort of what I'm missing from television, but also at the same time, it's it's one of those things where it's very strange that how many things are hard to get a straight adaptation of, and they essentially did a straight adaptation mm-hmm. of this D and D game. Yeah, I think you know, I think two points. The first is just was talking about combat, D and D combat. You know, technically, a round of combat in D and D is six seconds. So if that goes for ten rounds, that's only a minute right. of time. So I feel like it's a pretty easy thing to adapt. You know, it's not like you, you have to do roles and you have to do fucking description. We can see all of it. And then if you fail something, you just get the shit beat out of you in this in this show. And I think that that plays really well. And there's so much time saved by doing that alone. Also, we can visually see something. We don't need Matt to describe it right. to us. That saves a lot of time. <laughs> so it, I do think in reality, it probably is a pretty simple thing to narrow down to. But kind of to your point, Hurt, talking about like, I think Vax and Keyleth, for example, there was a bit in an earlier episode where they pretended to be husband and wife. And I think Liam basically thought, well, that's interesting. What if I just, what if I make that real? Right, right. And so he just made this decision as a person playing a game. What would that person do if I did this? Right. And now you have to put this in this TV (laughs) show. Like it's a, it's an interesting like cause and effect. Right. I feel like. And uh, also, kind of to your point about the way that TV is written now versus this kind of adaptation of an existing thing, as you mentioned, or as we've talked about, you know, the shows are are not scripted. They just, you know, they're, they're act as their characters and do what their characters, you know, would it's, do. It's long form improv. I hate that word so much. It's so dirty to me. Mm. I, like when I try to describe, but that's what it is. No, I know it is. But like, I, I, this is just a, a random aside. Like. I remember trying to explain this to my parents, like what this show was, right. and like I was way more comfortable just explaining it to them as like it's a D and D game <laughs> where a bunch of adults were whatever, as opposed to saying like, oh, it's like you know, it's like an improv show. <laughs> Fuck you, and that's like way worse <laughs> to me. It's such a, a filthy, ugly word. It's it's what I. In my what we're watching today, I have a thing about my discomfort with with it, improv. It's not it's not the the concept's fault. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just you you know la- going back to something I said last week. They're like music magicians. They're like uh, yeah. you know they're just they're off putting people usually. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I'm not going to use that word, but you know that is what the whole show is. And so to go back and rewatch this arc and to, to just watch 
Talison just knocked down one liner after one right. liner after one liner on the fly is outstanding. The, <laughs> how does a person think yours was the face I saw when vengeance entered my heart? I fucking love that. <laughs> how does a person think of that in the moment? Because that, that is a killer fucking yeah, line. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I, I said there were four. That's the third one. The fourth one is Percival take off the mask. Like that was like a very like humanizing moment for right. Percy. I don't think it plays as well in the show as it did in the moment. Yeah, agreed. But I'm still, I still, it would have been weird if it wasn't there. It just kind of sucks that it didn't hit as, hit as strong, I think. But I fucking love this show. I can't wait for season two. It's really good. All right. Well, that's uh, Legend of Vox Machina. If we haven't convinced you, I don't know if we did, but you should still watch it anyway. Just just if you listen to this fucking show as a favor to me personally. <laughs> or a Christian if you like him better. Uh, but that's it for uh, Legend of Vox Machina. What have we been watching this past week, guys? I didn't really watch much. I did go to Pensacon this weekend, which Joseph did not attend. Hurt was there for like 45 minutes. I, I, yeah, I was there. Yeah. For a bit. Yeah. I was there all three days. And... Um, Man, I, I just want to talk a bit about uh, cons. I think I felt like anyway. I had a pretty. This is my fifth year going to Pensacon. I felt like I had a pretty good read on what would be good and what would be bad. Right. And so I really made my schedule out of that. And 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 partially the other thing is Pensacon is we don't have the infrastructure to really support this thing. We have a we have a base center that was good for music venues 40 years ago. Right. It's shithole now. Mm. And then we have like all these small theaters all across town, and the, most of them are within walking distance. One is absolutely not. I don't know why they keep doing shit there. That's DeLuna event space for anyone local, mm. which is where all the big people were this year. So my quick recap is, of the panels I went to, most of the ones I thought were going to be good were shit, and most of the ones I thought were going to be shit ended up being pretty good. <laughs> I went to a video game uh, voicing podcast with uh, like Charles Martinet, who is famously the voice of Super Mario. I'm drawing a blank on the guy who plays Master Chief. Like it was a pretty couple of like big names. Last year I went to the exact same panel with different people. Fucking terrible. This year, fucking great. Um, it was really good. Followed that up with a Star Wars panel. It was shit. It was a bunch of British guys who just get to hang out at cons. And so they just sat there and talked about hanging out with each other because that's (laughs) what they do. And that was not interesting for me. Then I saw Nick Cannon. And I don't give a shit about Nick Cannon. But he was pretty good. Nick Carter? (laughs) Nick Carter, yeah. I was about to say Nick Cannon. I don't yeah, think yeah. so. Whatever. Again, I give, so, I give so I little shit, I don't even know which people are in Backstreet Boys. But he was pretty good. What if Nick Cannon was in Backstreet Boys? It would be a, I would try it then. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. But what I really wanted to talk about, there were two that I was most excited for. Uh, a couple years ago, I went to a Power Rangers panel. It was fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. It was awful. This year, went to one that had Billy Yost, or David Yost, who played Billy, and Johnny Young Bosch, who played Adam. Johnny Young Bosch also done a shit ton of anime voice Prolific acting. Prolific voice actor. Yeah. Uh, didn't have high hopes for that. Fucking incredible. Like, David Yost specifically, I would listen to that guy talk all the time. If he had a podcast, I'd check it out. Just really great right. perspective. Amy Jo Johnson was also there, and she had her own separate panel. Don't meet your fucking heroes, people. <laughs> really? Like, it was awful. Right. Um, and just, like... She doesn't like to act anymore, but uh, no offense to her. People haven't seen her directing stuff. Like it's all indie movies that she like self financed. Right. We haven't seen them. You're not going to get asked those questions. 
And people weren't even like, have you seen this episode? This episode of Power Rangers, like, you did this thing, but traditionally, it was none of that shit. Right. But it Which was is mo- incredible, if we- that's true. Yeah, it was mostly like, you know, you were a pretty good actress in the 90s. Like, you went on to be in Felicity and Suzy Q, and what about it made you turn away? Well, I just don't want to do it anymore. Okay? Even but- if you don't have a more interesting answer, you're sort of here to entertain. Make one up. Correct. You know. And that's what I found is a lot of the good ones were entertainers. Right. John Barrowman came out in a TARDIS dress and talked about Doctor Who and penises for an hour. <laughs> and I fucking loved it. I loved it. Oh, the one interesting one. You and I got in trouble by this one recently about mispronouncing Giancarlo Esposito's name. Right. I'm here to tell you he also mispronounces his fucking name. <laughs> How do we say it? It's Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Oh, fuck you, <laughs> Joseph. Let's get the fuck out of you when it's the guy saying his own fucking name. Uh... He was okay. He was like a motivational speaker. Mm. The the Kimberly one was bad, and Matt Lanter was terrible. I fucking love the Clone Wars. I love that dude as Anakin Skywalker. I wanted so much more out of it, and it it wasn't good. It fucking sucked, and um, that was kind of heartbreaking for me. I'm sorry, buddy. Don't yeah. meet your heroes again. Again, it's very simple. Is that like there's an entertainment aspect right. to it, and you can't just answer questions like yeah, no okay right is yeah. there more to that or nothing and and again i think the questions were pretty tame like right. pretty good yeah. and uh there just wasn't i don't know i, I would assume it's just not very talkative people or maybe the, amy joe jensen did talk about how she has like severe stage fright that's why she does tv mm. it's not in front of an audience right and maybe that has something to do with it but yeah me and sarah did not stay very long i wish we would have went on friday or sunday but our weekend was just booked up to we only go on saturday and saturday was just fucking nuts and it was really like you know triggering my claustrophobia and i just like and like the only the main reason i'd went on saturday is because you know uh, christian you were there mm-hmm. and i had two or three other friends i was gonna be there. i was like man i'm just gonna see a bunch of friends at the convention and the last time i had went it'd been pretty yeah. fucking chill but as soon as i got there it's like there's no way i'm finding a person Thirty thousand people yeah it was the biggest ever uh so you know I, i'm glad for them i'm glad it's mm-hmm. doing well but i you know i definitely didn't experience that i will relay an experience my buddy zach who came in from new orleans there uh he uh has uh, he's super into Jaws. Like, he's just a Jaws mega fan. Uh, he, he's also really into tiki's. I don't support his tiki lifestyle, but I, I accept it. He brought a Jaws tiki for him to sign. I don't know whether they made that tiki themselves or they bought it, because, again, I don't want to know about their filthy t- tiki lifestyle. But, uh, but uh, he brought it for for uh, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus to shine, sign, and Richard Dreyfus was a fucking delight. He made sure everyone in the line had a moment, and you know he was very nice to everybody. He uh, looks great, apparently. Uh, I will also say you guys might remember when we first started talking about Pensacon that I was I thought I was banned from Pensacon. Mm-hmm. Well, the specific guy that I was feuding with cut Zach in line and you know I did that the feud started from shit that I said on the band's account so I think maybe he cut Zach because he thought Zach was me and I love that I love that if his <laughs> moment of revenge was on the wrong guy but next year I will definitely pick a different day than Saturday to go yeah the only um, yeah I didn't have any real interactions with people but 
uh, I did see Dylan McDermott in Fosco, and he literally tried to cut the line and go straight up to the counter. <laughs> and the girl went, sir, you'll have to get in line. And he walked the fuck out. <laughs> and then when I, I walked across him later, and I was like, hey, did you ever get coffee? He's like, nope, I didn't. And under my breath, I went, fucking serves you right. <laughs> uh, I will say, this year, I really enjoyed going all the Pentacon-related businesses, going and having Star Wars drinks and whatever. That was a good time. We went to, uh, well, we tried to go to the fish house, and we ended up at Atlas for two hours mm-hmm. while we were waiting to get into the fish house. Uh, fish house was Harry Potter again. Right. their thing, and uh, Atlas was Star Trek. When we got into Atlas, they were playing the full soundtrack from Star Trek One, the J.J. Abrams, which I was like, fucking dope. I love this soundtrack. Right. There were some really great tracks on it, but then after we listened to it, what is, uh, well, I have to imagine a 13-track album or less, at least twice. At least two and a half times over two hours. It's like, we need to get out of here before I start hating the soundtrack. Yeah, right. <laughs> my, watching the, I can cover everything really quickly. Uh, first of all, uh, I ate my first cat treat today. Okay. Cool. You know, On purpose? Uh, you would think. It would have happened sooner. It would have happened sooner or never at all. I've been dealing with cat treats for so long that if I didn't want to try one, I wouldn't have by now. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, you know, I'd been eating these almonds. Sarah's dad's in town, and he brought these almonds from Ta- Trader Joe. They're like extra virgin olive oil uh, and, sen- and, um, and sea salt. And, you know, not great for Jehu's blood pressure, but goddamn, they're so delicious. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'd been just chowing down on those. Cats were acting up, put it down, grabbed a pack of cat treats, roughly the size, same size and weight. Grab a chat, cat treat and chomp down on it. I'm going to go ahead and say cat treats worse than Transformers. <laughs> it's not surprising. They, they didn't taste bad. They just don't really have a lot of taste at all. I don't, I don't see what the appeal is. I don't know why the cats go nuts for them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I had my first cat treats today. <laughs> on similar, first time uh, today was the first time I ever had Flaming Hot Cheetos. That is, never had that's fun. pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't know why I had never got them. I like spicy snacks. I just never got them. But I got them because of the third thing I'm going to talk about for a second. Uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos, better than Transformers. Not as hot as I thought they would no. be. They're just tasty. Yeah. Um, third thing, are you guys fucking watching Peacemaker yet? No. Mm. I, I, I dislike you guys every time more when you guys haven't watched this. It's so goddamn fun. I'm not going to talk about any spoiler shit in it. I'm just going to try are to Are you finished it. with it? I got one episode left. Yeah. It's just so goddamn fun. Uh, uh, I just shit talked to Deadpool earlier in this podcast, but this is what I want Deadpool to be. This is rated R superhero movie. It earns being rated R and cussing and sex jokes and stuff like so much better than Deadpool does. And again, I like Deadpool, but all these people are great. What I was going to talk about on improv is it seems very obvious that a lot of this is improv by John Cena, who, you know, you'd think he's a dumb wrestler and wouldn't be great at that. But he's had like 20 years of experience improving in front of ex- thousands of people, knowing exactly how far to go. And he just fucking kills on this show. It is so fun. Also, on another disc to Deadpool, you'll never need Deadpool again after you've seen Vigilante. He's... He's the Deadpool you always wanted. I can't believe that guy was the guy who played Carmack McClagan in fucking uh, the sixth Harry Potter movie. <laughs> right. Like, that's so weird to me that this dude who tried to essentially rape Hermione is right. fucking that dude. And dude, everyone raves about him. Right. He is so fucking good in this. He has a definite, like, 
Ted Bundy vibe about yeah. him, but uh, he, he he's just really great. And if none of that sells you, the fucking theme song opening to yeah. this show is the most, it's more fun than the show itself. I already know how to play it. My band's about to do our first post-COVID show on April the 8th. I am fucking demanding we play that song and or I'm not showing up. So Peacemaker better than Transformers. You guys really need to get on that shit. Fair enough. As far as, uh, you know, Deadpool, but the one you wanted, uh, if you haven't watched Harley Quinn yet, you should watch Harley Quinn also. I've, I've watched I've watched the first season of Harley Quinn, okay, yeah, I need to keep going. It's a similar sort of right. thing. Uh, it, it's got the same vibe, but just less... Less balls. Yeah. Again, I like Rai Rai. I think Rai Rai is a great guy. Too much ball talk. A lot of ball talk. Rai Rai. Uh, I don't have that much either. Uh, let's see. I, I've, I've been meaning to bring up, there's a, a YouTube channel that I watch called Overly Sarcastic Productions, who does, it's not what the name implies at all, it's a lot of like history and mythology stuff, which is generally interesting, but one of the things that one of their hosts does is like, uh, it's called Trope Talk, where they break down like, narrative tropes, kind of like, to their bare bones, about like all the variations, all the history, all the different types that you can see out there, uh, and one of the ones they did recently was uh, Pure of Heart, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it's a you know about the character type that for one reason or another is considered good either by their actions or by just virtue of being uh, to be the best person in the world and how that trope can be used to make a character that is again pure of heart but also does really awful things either directly or indirectly uh, and it was very clear to me from the outset that it was just this person rewatched Dragon Ball Z recently <laughs> and wanted, to, and wanted to, to do a video about it, which right. is super fair. Like, that's a, a great takeaway from it. So, yeah, uh, overly sarcastic productions on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. The, the trope talks are, are always really interesting to me. Uh, the other thing that YouTube has... I've apparently just been watching YouTube. Uh, uh, YouTube is is feeding me justified clips like they're going out of style, and I'm loving it. I am, <laughs> I am, I am inches away from rewatching the whole fucking series again. Dude, I had a similar thing with YouTube was feeding me Mad Men clips a uh-huh. few weeks ago, and God, I was just loving every second of it. I need to rewatch that show. I, justified is such like... It's such a character actor showcase. Right. It's like, hey, remember that like that your favorite guy from your one episode of Law and Order or whatever? Right. Let's make him like the main antagonist or the main antagonist sidekick and give him a whole season arc. Right. And they're outstanding. They're always outstanding. Totally. Uh, it's a great show. I need to go back to it. But I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so uh, next week, are we gonna actually? No, we're not. You're gonna be, uh, You're gone. I'm not going to be here next week. But I will also be not. You're going to be somewhere, so you can figure out your situation in the meantime. I'll be uh, all right. I got a plan. So you know, one week off, and then uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Something's going to happen. Maybe Peacemaker. Will the Batman not. will be out. Oh man, I just do not want to do that at all. I don't. Either. I don't even. I want, would. I would be fine if we're the guys who intentionally don't. I don't. Do it. I don't even want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Hateful curiosity can't keep me it, like I, I just I, there's no way I won't watch it, but I'm I'm not excited about it at all. Yeah, Kate and I talked about going to see Uncharted this weekend, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just have there's not a movie coming out probably until Multiverse of Madness where I'm like I want to enjoy this in a theater, right? Yeah, and that's how I feel about the Batman too. Like it just doesn't have the pull for me. See, is it theaters only or is it going to be theater on only? Oh, God damn it. See? I would love to watch that at home. Uh, Uncharted seems like a fun movie to get a couple beers and then go see Uncharted. Maybe. 
the Batman movie just seems like it's not going to be fun for anybody at any time. I, you know, I, I don't even think that the Batman movie itself is going to annoy me as much as how much people are just going to jerk off over yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. So probably not the Batman in two weeks, but something. Uh, I, we should, if we all love it, we should still do it and just pretend we hate it. <laughs> my, my fear is that we're all going to like yeah. it. Our expectations are set appropriately I, low. I, yeah. I, I this I, this is literally a spoiler that hasn't happened yet, but I already know it's going to be a good movie. I don't like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be back eventually. Thanks everybody for listening. Please watch Critical Role or The Legend of Vox Machina or just anything. It would make us so happy. It would make us so so happy. Uh, if you want to share the podcast with anybody else, please rate, subscribe, uh, tell your friends about it. That, that's uh, really the best way to get. We get new listeners. If you want to get in touch with us about your feelings about The Legend of Vox Machina, again, we'll talk, I'll talk about it anytime. You can call me on my cell phone yeah. at any time, and I will talk to you about Critical Role. It's uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, realphonies, Instagram, real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for Art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. See you guys later. Later.